I V M. Hi, I'm Satyajit. Hi, I'm Rajita. Welcome to Paperback by the Open Library Project. We have as our guest today Anirudh Kanisetti, host of the podcast series Echoes of India. In this episode, we deep dive into the fate of Rome by Kyle Harper in the first half of the podcast. In the second half, we also discuss Car by Roberto Colasso, Against the Grain by James C. Scott, Political Violence in Ancient India by Upinder Singh, and Archaeology of Hindu Ritual by Michael Willis. Our conversation with Anirudh reflects on how climate and disease were integral parts that led to the decline of the Roman Empire, the Vedas and Purans, the Gupta dynasty, and how archaeology led to creation of many Hindu rituals. Let's dive in. The rise and fall of Rome remind us that the story of human civilization is through and through an environmental drama. The flourishing of the empire in the halcyon days of the 2nd century, the arrival of a new kind of virus from far beyond the Roman world, the rupture of the imperial grand bargain in the aftermath of the pandemic, the meltdown of the empire in the concatenation of climate and health disasters in the 3rd century, the neutron bomb of bubonic plague, the insidious onset of a new age of ice the final collapse of anything recognizable as a roman empire should teach us something about the nature of history thank you anirudh kanisetti that was an excerpt from the book the fate of rome by kyle harper we'll be right back after this to discuss the book in more detail welcome to paperback by the open library project I am your co-host Satyajit, otherwise known as Onion Knight in most food circles. I'm hosting this podcast with my co-founder at the Open Library Project, Racheta Sharma. Hi guys, my name is Racheta and I'm an ex-banker who gave up my banking profession to follow my passion and run libraries across the world. The Open Library Project is a non-fiction book library service offered to businesses on a subscription basis. We're trying to move away from the run-of-the-mill library concept by setting up rotational and locational curated libraries at co-working spaces, corporate and business incubators the idea here is to create value build a knowledge community and encourage a growth mindset amongst our members today we have with us on the show anirudh kanisetti host of echoes of india podcast he also works at the takshashila institute at bangalore as a research analyst echoes of india is the story of india like you've never heard before host anirudh takes you on a journey through its wonders from greek art to afghanistan to thriving ports of tamil nadu along the way monks debate Queen's boast and army's roar. From philosophy to politics to economics, the past comes back to life. Noisy, breathing, and as thriving as the Indian subcontinent is today. Welcome to the show, Anirudh. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's lovely to have you on the show, and uh, your selection of books is uh, quite interesting because uh, you know it follows a pattern of history, which is something we've not really discussed in detail yet mm-hmm. on our podcast. So we'll definitely start with the first book, that's Fate of Rome, from which the excerpt was. Uh, would you like to deep dive into it and tell us more about the book? Let me just say I'm super excited to be the inaugural history speaker uh-huh. on your podcast. Great as to it have were. you. <laughs> and uh, maybe just recap what we were talking about a little earlier about uh-huh. uh, why is it that history as as non-fiction isn't really mainstream as it were, right? Right. right. Um, it's it's because the whole idea that history has poor returns on time spent. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I can see how that makes sense because if you really want to understand 
history you have to dive rather deep right mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but in my experience at least and un- diving deep into history gives you this deep almost intuitive understanding of social cultural economic an overall historical change right which is absolutely invaluable no matter what field of work you're in like whether you're you know a venture capitalist or a researcher and i don't know a think tank like myself right. it's, <laughs> it's absolutely it's it's a, it's a very critical skill to have and that's that i think is why i've recommended i've kept the fate of rome as my top recommendation uh, is because it's a book that really engages with the question of what is history Right. Okay. right so i think there's a general tendency to think of history as just this uh, the sort of dry succession of okay so there's this king and then uh-huh. the, there's that king and then this king killed that king and, and so on so forth yeah, yeah it, it, sure. it just becomes this this endless parade of dry characters right. who don't really have anything to set them apart uh-huh. right but to me that's not what history is at all as i read in the excerpt right history needs to be seen as this environmental drama uh-huh. yeah. i think the, the last speaker that you had uh, spoke about sapiens right and there was there was yeah. an excerpt which talked about how humanity homo sapiens has had this massive impact which is equivalent to the ice age right right right, right. right. so it, that's absolutely correct but it it also makes you think of humans as this species has always dominated the environment mm-hmm. which hasn't always been the case mm. as having this degree of control over the forces of nature such as it is now which it really isn't that much right is still a very new thing yeah for most of human history we've been very very vulnerable to environmental disasters uh, there's so many indian cities for example there's a city called kaveri pompattinam in tamil nadu mm-hmm. okay. which used to be this massive trading emporium okay mm. completely wiped out by a tsunami in roughly the 3rd century AD and you never hear about it again just like finishes it's gone yeah. gone it's from gone. the history books as well it's it's in the history <laughs> books in the history <laughs> books <laughs> it's it's gone as a city is what right. i'm trying to say okay. it just lives on in in legends and memories right yeah but um, that's important right because to understand where we are at today it's hmm. very important to know where we came from exactly. or how we got here mm-hmm. exactly. and uh, it's just like for any business if you want to know how they've achieved success hmm. you have to know how it all started how hmm. they built their foundation yeah. and that's pretty much what history does that's exactly exactly yeah. and why the fate of rome is interesting is because it says that if you want to understand the history of rome don't look at julius caesar or augustus caesar or whatever freaking caesar Like mm. I, I can really name a lot of seasons, but let's not get into that. But the point is, the fate of Rome talks about this thing called the Roman climate optimum. So, okay. just a bit of uh, note on methodology. So, how these guys, what these guys did to mm. write this book, is that uh, they dug into the Alps. Okay. In the Alps, they extracted these uh, long cylinders of ice called ice okay. cores, mm-hmm. and they analyzed the sediments in each of the levels of the ice. Okay. Right? So since the Roman Empire was this massive economic entity, right? Right. It was industrialized but at a very rudimentary level. So you see increased pollution levels in oh. the ice cores of the Alps. Okay. Right? Okay. Increasing with every yeah, layer. Yeah, so as okay. as the empire gets denser and denser, hmm. you actually see that okay. you see that wow. happening and then you see a sudden fall when the empire collapses and then it only reaches that level again like in the 18th or 19th century. Okay. Now the very first thing I thought about when I was reading that was If we were to do something like that with the Himalayas, mm-hmm. yeah. what could we learn about Indian history, right? Oh, yeah. Because right. if yeah. you were to do the sort of interdisciplinary analysis mm-hmm. of all the sources we have available, instead of just looking at inscriptions and going to a temple and thinking, "Oh, wow, this great king must have built it," right. what if you look deeper? Right? If you look at how 
Indian civilizations have impacted the environment around us. Yeah. It could really challenge a lot of the ways that we think about Indian history. Yeah, in fact, also the book talks about uh, you know the plague and how um, the climate fostered yes. the plague and how that led to the fall of Rome. So um, and here's yeah, the interesting thing: the Roman Empire, by expanding so far so quickly, kind of laid the seeds for its own collapse. Right. Because if you look at the and this is not because of corruption or some inherent tendency of empires to collapse, but mm-hmm. rather if you look at the a uh, latitudinal extent of it right okay. the northernmost part of it is in freaking scotland mm. yeah. which is really cold sort of biome mm. and the southernmost bit of it is near ethiopia right. which is where you have monsoon winds right and in between you have this massive stretch this inland sea called the mediterranean yeah. so you have this very very complex weather patterns mm. you have all these complex ecosystems which have suddenly been connected now you have human beings going through each of them because there's yeah. there's market opportunities economic opportunities right. so the empire grows and grows but along with it pathogens are also mutating evolving coming into new environments coming into contact with each other yeah and because of that it's inevitable that at some point there would have been a public health crisis especially because romans had let's face it very bad toilet hygiene <laughs> uh, i mean they had public toilets where people used to share the same sponge to you uh-huh. know let's let's not get into it uh, but the point is it was almost inevitable i hope right? they didn't find that in the soil <laughs> they they have found that's how we know because they found extensive traces of roots <laughs> but this is a sort of thing that we just don't know about Indian history, right? Yeah. And uh, that actually it, got me... Sorry, you're saying something. Yeah, and it's sad that, you know, we're back at the same uh, place because we are again trying to develop faster than probably nature can take. Yes, and yes. We don't learn from our mistakes. Exactly. That is, <laughs> history that, does repeat itself yeah, exactly. yes. quite a bit, right? History teaches you that, right? Mm-hmm. Because... I, I think now in the 21st century, we are facing a very similar situation to the Romans in like, the I don't know, the third, third, third century centuries. or maybe the Maya in like the ninth century where mm-hmm. you're like, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep doing what we're doing and things are going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But no, there the are things yeah. beyond our control, <laughs> right. which which are just going to cause the collapse of civilization as we know it. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to happen because, hey, I'm an optimistic guy and I got to, you know, I got to pay my bills. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Um, the point is that human nature doesn't change. It's only right. the technological environment that we live in that changes. Uh, the underlying forces of nature, the forces of evolution, mm-hmm. uh, the way that ecosystems form, the way that networks, economic networks form, they've been more or less the same for ever since the beginning of human civilization. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of value in understanding how that happens and applying those parallels to the current day as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, because of just how much they can teach us about why people do the things they do i mean you might you might think damn why is it that russia is totally out to screw the united states right yeah um, and the obvious answer would be you know it's the cold war rivalry right. playing mm. itself out again but it actually goes even deeper than that from at least the 14th century russia has seen itself as a new rome mm. as this great massive continental power that has to dominate europe and that's a major force for global stability. Yeah. So it is inevitable that they would be rivals to any other power which tries to become, you know, this, this global, yeah. Yeah, yeah, global. Right? So it it happened with when when the English got together with the French. That's why the Russians joined the First World War on the side of the Germans, right? Because they want to balance out these so-called sea-based civilizations. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's the exact same pattern you're seeing today, mm-hmm. where even though the average Russian is going through very difficult economic conditions, the Russian leadership is like, hey, this is our destiny. 
we are going to take it yeah <laughs> we we are going to do this no matter what yeah so yeah. it's important yeah. to understand these these deeper patterns basically it's very uh, interesting that you brought up, brought up sapiens olio because uh, we had a chance to meet uh, you all know harare mm-hmm. when he was here in uh, bombay and some of the things that he says is that uh, you know we are evolving so much as a human civilization technology is being integrated externally right now into our lives but soon maybe it will be integrated internally hmm. so you have no idea what the repercussions of that is going to be right because how can you even predict something at that scale yeah. if it's if there's mass adoption say for example of you know humans decide to insert chips into their uh, into their arms hmm. to track whatever they want to track you don't know what the effect of that is going to be right because it's never been done before exactly so even though you know the times are different i'm sure there are parallels that can be drawn to maybe the roman empire or maybe times in history where you know like you mentioned earlier that we are on the cusp of change again so maybe it is time that we go back to our history books and try and avoid what is <laughs> what is avoidable at least have a at least acknowledge that you know we may yes. be on the cusp of uh, absolutely Yeah, yeah this is it's it's very very important to go back and learn from history because i think that's one thing that humans as species are generally not very good at doing yeah. uh-huh. uh, if, if you look at uh, you guys have heard of the bronze age collapse mm. so i know of the bronze age yeah. okay. <laughs> excellent let's let's start with that yeah. <laughs> so um, the bronze age is like the first emergence of really massive states and civilizations yeah. right okay. so you have states all across the fertile crescent so egypt syria iraq uh anatolia and you even have the indus valley in 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 um, the modern day pakistan i suppose uh-huh. but it's um, all these are massive urban civilizations and the very first urban civilizations if you think about it mm. and they're all deeply connected through trade yeah okay there have been ruins found off the coast of turkey right mm-hmm. which were i don't know like greek or whatever and if you look at the stuff that's inside them they have stuff from every one of these civilizations mm. Oh. Yeah, so they basically They were globalized yeah. as a right. thing. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was right. their equivalent of globalization. Uh-huh. Right. They had all these different sort of cultural influences. They were all talking to each other in whatever language we don't know. Yeah. But it had happened. And then there was a series of devastating earthquakes in Anatolia sometime around 1250, destroyed a bunch of cities, and then within about a century, 200 years, all these civilizations collaped. Okay. Got Hmm. except for egypt because it had the nile river but all yeah. of them like even the indus valley civilization right um so the, obviously there's a bunch of other factors also happening yeah but you have to think about what happens when you have a very complex deeply integrated system and then one thing goes wrong it just like oscillates out of control mm-hmm. yeah. this is an engineering metaphor right. since, since <laughs> technically supposed to be an engineer uh, the dominoes effect <laughs> yes, uh, yes. It's, it's it's a domino effect on a massive scale and this, this might be scary to hear because think about how interconnected the world economy is now right, right. when the 2008 financial crisis happened it sent yeah, we saw shockwaves throughout the world yeah imagine something imagine for example the himalayas or the hindu kush mountains losing a lot of their water mm-hmm. imagine the consequences of of a substantial proportion of chinese and indian people not having enough water yeah. there would be massive refugee movements yeah. which we are not prepared to handle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the kind of political consequences that would cause would yeah. it cause a collapse of civilization as we know it i don't know mm. but we need to be planning for it. we need to be preparing for it it's great that you ask these questions mm-hmm. and uh, that's what you do on your podcast as well echoes of india it's like your you know asking questions related to history or making people question 
you know why we are here how we are here how we should not do what we did in the past which is really great mm-hmm. and uh, you. uh could you also tell us you know pe- who would you recommend uh, the fate of rome to i think everybody should be reading it but yes <laughs> uh, you know maybe hmm. pertinent to you know who it would help the most that's a very good question actually i would actually, i would say that the the number one audience for it would probably be environmentalists okay uh, because it would give them a really deep sense of how environmental changes can trigger massive societal and political changes right aside from that hmm would i recommend this book to a venture capitalist <laughs> <laughs> will they get a return on investment <laughs> you know what uh, in uh, before you answer that i would like just like to say like doing a non fiction podcast book related podcast we've seen that you can find uh, paradigms of relation in books that are not related to your craft at all mm-hmm. or your skill at all that's why uh, when we interview so many people across disciplines we find that so many things relate from maybe even from a history book can be uh, related to your yeah. current business context right like mm-hmm. uh, for example wars for example like businesses in a way you can learn business strategy from war strategies oh, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. you know there's a lot of things that can be done so i'm sure that the right vc would be able to pull out the right context okay then vcs if you're <laughs> listening as well <laughs> then please do pick up the fate of rome great and on that note we're going to take a short break we'll be back after this welcome back we still have with us anirudh kanesetty podcast host of the echoes of india podcast welcome back anirudh Thank you. So the next book that we're going into is Ka Stories of the Mind and Gods of India by Roberto Calasso. So we had another guest who discussed another book by Roberto Calasso recently called The Art of the Publisher hmm. which was very interesting. Okay. And this is more on uh, the historical side so <laughs> the shruti and the smriti. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's 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 odd. so this is a, it's a fascinating read about Indian mythology. It's easily the most thought provoking read i've come across on any mythology okay. okay and the interesting thing is it it's not like this category of myths where they're like okay these are the three big gods and the three big gods do this and these are all the rules of the subsidiary gods this is very interesting sort of narrative chain that okay. goes through the book so the very beginning of it like the first chapter is about garuda okay right so and it ends with garuda figuring out that he wants to learn the vedas mm. and then he sits down and he starts to think to whom should the sacrifice be offered and then it transitions to this description of the creator god prajapati okay mm. and the lines like still stick with me because they're so powerful it it goes prajapati was alone he didn't know if he existed or not because yeah. if you have nothing no around you how yeah. do you know if you exist or not right because, <laughs> and this like, it just drops these nuclear bombs of of existentialism on you yeah. okay. and what is really surprising is that these are all this is all the philosophy of the rigveda and the upanishads hmm. that have been spun into this fascinating narrative is this very postmodern sort of take on hindu mythology okay. which i think is absolutely a must read if for no other reason than just to understand just how vast this an ancient this religion actually is and yeah. to think that i don't know some like a bunch of like cow herders in 1500 bc were having the same sort of kind of, kind of existential, existential crisis as we are it's super identifiable you know and also the uh, the vedas and the upanishads are really extensive so yeah. this would probably like yeah. bring it all beautifully you can just book. cuts out a lot of the other uh, boring stuff like how do you perform a sacrifice and all that and just focus on the what is a sacrifice why is a sacrifice all the really deep questions that yeah. make you think about religion in general and philosophy 
It sounds fascinating. Yeah, it uh, is absolutely fascinating. The next book we are moving on to is Against the Grain by James C. Scott. Hmm. What about this book stood out for you? So we were actually talking about the Bronze Age earlier, right? right? right. So what is fascinating about the way about Against the Grain is it challenges it takes the traditional understanding we have of how civilization formed mm-hmm. and inverts it. Okay. So generally we think that okay, you know, we were hunter gatherers right. and we were primitive and we were really sad and then we somehow figure out how to how to like plant crops and so on and mm-hmm. then we became yeah. happy though and you all know Harari has challenged that in Sapiens of course right. mm-hmm. but what Scott does is that he really dives deeper into how this transition happened yeah. and his argument is not that agriculture gave rise to the state mm-hmm. but rather that states gave rise to agriculture okay like people had to be forced mm-hmm. to give up their chilled out hunter gatherer life and to work in a farm all day and break their backs right uh, and like something as simple as a wall right mm. you might think a wall is something that people built to keep out the monsters of the night <laughs> but he argues that no it was something that was built to keep the population in the town so you oh, could really? tax them oh wow right yeah that's uh, fascinating and it makes a bunch of really interesting arguments so for example these states these early states were obsessed with fighting each other and capturing resources from each other right okay. yeah so they need to have armies right mm. how do you create armies by making women by forcing women to just reproduce okay and you have religion for that right so religion right, right. plays and, a part yeah, in yeah and like, patriarchy and the state they're all like tied in at this very yeah. fundamental structural level mm-hmm. which still i would say arguably permeates permeates still today right i mean exactly right. and it's yeah. it's global it's not even uh, it's not even just bound to india i mean we always think that you know india is only uh, con- like, because we thing. live here right yes. but uh, he's talking about the middle east right, right. and he's talking about babylon mm. he's talking about all these places that if you read them in your history textbooks there'll be like oh yeah these were cool civilizations and they had these ziggurats and all that yeah, but yeah, yeah. the truth is that they were so inherently dark. yeah they were like oh damn man yeah that's a great perspective though it went the other way around yeah. <laughs> Right. We are moving on to uh, the next book, which is Political Violence in Ancient India by hmm. Upinder Singh. Hmm. Tell us about this book, Anil. Okay. So uh, there's a general misconception going around um, that Indian states weren't really that violent, okay. or that they weren't interested in conquering outside India. Mm-hmm. And Upinder Singh in this book like really challenges that notion. Hmm. Uh, she argues that violence was fundamental to state formation in India, even though it was. Uh, regulated by a sort of philosophical and religious context violence was absolutely important and sanctioned at multiple levels of society um that actually ties into what james c scott is saying in in against the grain mm-hmm. is that states are only able to form by by violence right now that violence might be regulated by a broader religious structure but that doesn't yeah. change the fact that violence is inherent right to the way that states were formed and what obina singh does is that she kind of expands that throughout indian history so she i mean it doesn't she doesn't come to like the medieval period but she stops in like the gupta empire okay mm. so she starts off with uh, the mahabharata uh, and if you look at the mahabharata has has this deep obsession with what is a just war for example right yeah. right? right fundamentally it's an argument about what violence is acceptable in a state and what is not acceptable right and she even looks at buddhism of all things yeah. okay and says that buddhism has this sort of primitive version of the social contract theory where buddha is supposed to have said that you know everything was utterly bonkers people were just eating each other up and then uh, the people elected a king mm-hmm. and said we're going to pay you taxes you punish the evil doers and keep the rest of us safe right which is very similar to what rousseau was saying like thousands of years later right uh, so basically this sort of underlying arrangement 
so whether like religion the, and politics yes, is aligned to somewhat. to regulate how much violence is, is performed hmm. so that people are still willing to pay taxes right yeah. right so, so it all comes back to like formation of uh, formation of the cities and so maybe the inverted uh, the inverted structure that you spoke about yeah. for the formation it, of it cities it has a lot of value maybe the actual thing that happened <laughs> <laughs> so maybe. do you think history books can be reread uh, often like do you reread any of these books uh, multiple times hmm that's a good question actually so for me how it works is that i i get obsessed with a particular period okay, okay. and then i read multiple books about that period okay. okay because the thing is that if you have the same bits of evidence different writers can come up with completely different perspectives on what that evidence means right so james scott for example is presenting this contrarian view of evidence that we already had before right okay so um, i don't really i don't necessarily think that history books can or should be read i think that history in general needs to constantly be thought about and read from multiple different perspectives so you suggest that in case you're interested in any particular historical event or you should read multiple perspectives oh, on yes. to Absolutely. get a clear picture yeah. otherwise it may be just whitewashed as per the authors because yeah if you if you just the thing with history is that we can never know exactly what happened in history yeah, right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. all about everybody's perspective yes, on it yes but yeah. by its nature history just leaves these slight traces there's so many holes in the historical right. record right right um and as i think it's important the the really i would say the best thing you can take away from historical reading is critical thinking right because the second so you read true, two yeah. different authors writing about the same event you're like damn is it even like this, yeah, how, so different right? yeah they're so different <laughs> so what what is historical knowledge how can we make conclusions and that sort right. of critical thinking i think is supremely applicable in every field of life like even for the vedas and puran and all of that that's what they say right that maybe it was just somebody who wrote you know a really nice fiction story to get people to follow yeah. a certain kind of lifestyle yeah. and god knows if that really existed or not so yeah that's, that's a yes absolutely thought. and and since you mentioned the gupta dynasty the last book that you wanted to talk about also talks ah, about the gupta dynasty yeah. <laughs> so could you you know Okay so um, have you guys been to Udaygiri it's in Madhya Pradesh it's uh, not far from Sanchi and uh, it's basically this fascinating astro religio political site okay okay astro religio political okay. <laughs> okay. when i was reading this book my eyebrows just kept going higher and higher into my forehead until they disappeared into my hairline <laughs> because of the fascinating arguments that this guy makes so the thing is that a lot of stuff you see in museums has been taken away from where it was originally kept right, right? yeah but in that in the location where it was originally mm. it would have been positioned for a particular reason reason right now in udaygiri It, these are all cave temples so mm. obviously nobody can take them away and put them in right. a museum right so the original placing is still preserved now the thing with udaygiri is it's located near the tropic of capricorn that's that's is that or cancer cancer is another one mm-hmm. wow nobody here knows yes. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um okay so basically it's located near one of the tropics and that means that during the summer solstice it has like a this very this very long day okay right so basically the the way that the guptas carved panels there was meant to light up particular caves okay on particular calendar days okay and those were tied to religious ceremonies okay so oh, wow. for example there's this 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 carving of the of a varaha this massive colossal man boar hmm. 
that's lifting the earth out of the ocean okay and michael willis argues that this bow should be seen as a metaphor for one of the gupta emperors mm-hmm. okay because um samudra gupta mm. is supposed to have defeated the naga dynasty mm-hmm. right and if yeah. you and samudra gupta means literally guarded by the sea mm-hmm. if you look at that varaha he's very clearly coming out of the sea he's defeated naga that's lying below him mm-hmm. okay and the argument is that so varaha is the lord of the earth right bhupati mm-hmm. he's married to the earth which is lifting out of the water mm-hmm. and if you draw a parallel between the king and varaha mm-hmm. you're giving the king the right to grant land to people mm-hmm. okay which means the king can build temples and say i am assigning this land to this temple mm-hmm. so essentially what you're doing is you're using this astrological thing to create a tangible presence of divinity okay you're connecting that divinity which is a religious concept hmm. to a political thing which is the king mm-hmm. and the king is thereby gaining economic rights wow wow yeah wow. think how complex that That's is very yeah. complex yeah i mean to think <laughs> that they were doing such kind of uh, you know what do you say uh, it is so complex it's, it's, yeah you know, <laughs> manipulation is, would be wrong yeah. but yeah. <laughs> propaganda proper propaganda oh, that's right say propaganda, propaganda. <laughs> government advertising <laughs> <or marketing. Yeah. laughs> this thing you 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 think that ancient people were somehow less but like somehow more primitive than us mm. not a sophisticated but those guys are bloody brilliant you don't need to make up stories that they had spaceships and all that right. yeah. their things are equally remarkable if you right. actually look at the history that we already have around us all the time mm. um, and that's why my podcast is called echoes of india the the, the idea is that history is always around us yeah right? we can always hear it there are if you walk around if you walk down mumbai you mm-hmm. see influences from all these different historical time periods you'll hear languages that evolved in different historical contexts all being spoken in this one place right. right but you never stop to think about the fact that they've come from so many different places yeah they've come from so many different contexts we just take it for granted but we don't understand just how remarkable the world is that we're walking around in yeah now i get the context of the name also the archaeology of hindu rituals yes so, yes that makes sense great so thank you anirudh for being with us thank you guys for having me and we hope to have you again on the show yes. i hope so too uh, please listen to the echoes of india podcast available on ivm podcasts as well as wherever else you listen to podcasts and a big thank you to all our listeners you can follow the open library project on linkedin instagram and facebook for latest updates on our events and stay tuned for the next paperback podcast on ivm podcasts Happy reading. You can follow IVM podcasts on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at IVM podcasts.